Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, October 16th, 2022. It focuses on God's covenant with Abraham and his descendants, both physical and spiritual. The message to all who will listen is God blesses all those who believe with a gifted righteousness that comes by faith. Now, here is Pastor Mike Neifert. Let's pray and invite God to be with us and speak to us and encourage us today. God, thank you that you are here and that your spirit is with us in every moment of every day, guiding us and maturing us and helping us to grow. And God, this message is just part of what you are going to do in our lives this week. You're going to continue to work even after we're done and we've gone home and enjoyed lunch and whatever else this day holds that you're going to be with us. And we trust you and we want to walk with you each and every day. Help us to do so right now in this moment and throughout this week. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So one of the tables in our basement has a darkened ring burned into its top. Since we set out the tables for Sunday school again after a baby shower last week, this permanent mark is right where Scott usually sits to teach Sunday school. Before that, I think it was on the north end where Ray sometimes sits and sips his coffee. <laughs> Some of you know the story behind this ring. It was made by Sharon, a member who's gone on to her reward. When she was living, Sharon always helped out with church dinners. Behind the scenes, she was always ready to serve, and while doing so several years ago, she set a hot pot of corn down on the table without a potholder. The heat from the metal container made its mark before she could lift it off the wooden surface. I don't tell this story to make fun of Sharon in any way. I tell it because in much the same way her momentary inattentiveness left a mark on the table downstairs, Sharon's life when she was attentive left a mark on each of us. Sharon was a blessing wherever she went, wasn't she? She always spoke encouraging words, even when others were out of sorts, and sometimes even when she was out of sorts. She put a cheerful spin on things. Her words and actions were kind. I almost always got a pan of brownies during Pastor Appreciation Month from Sharon. Not hinting. <laughs> so I'm not elevating Sharon above the rest of us. Each of us has gifts and abilities which God uses to bless his church and to bring glory to himself and the world outside these four walls. I'm simply reminding you of Sharon in order to spur you on toward love and good deeds in your day-to-day -day life. And I'm thankful for each of you as well. Just wanted to remind you that Sharon made a mark in this life and on that table. We are saved in order to be a blessing. Two short Bible passages which drive this point home come to mind. The first is from the early portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. I'm thinking of Matthew 5, 14 to 16. Jesus is talking to his disciples, but there's this crowd around him. Some of them are hostile toward him. We're getting that way, and some are just kind of, they don't know what to do with him. So there's people who are in, people who are out, and people who are just kind of what Matt Whitman calls the squishy middle. That's not sure what to do. So here's what Jesus says. He says, you are the light of the world. 
He's talking to disciples, other people are overhearing, but talking to disciples, that's you and me, right? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Can you see it? We were meant to be a blessing to those around us. We're light shining, letting our light shine before others so that they can see by the way that we lovingly act that God's around, that God exists, that he can change people's lives, showing people who Jesus is and how he lives and how he loves. That's our job. The second set of verses are found in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 are instructive to every believer who wants to be a blessing to those around them. Listen to what God inspired Paul to write in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Follow along in your Bible. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were saved by grace in order to do good works. Not the other way around, not saved by good works in order to do grace, but no. We've been saved by grace in order to do good works. The kind things we do, the gentle ways we react, the generosity that we display, these are the things God prepared for us to do even before we said yes to Jesus. Before we received that grace of salvation and the Spirit's gifts for service, God knew we were going to do those things. He prepared them in advance. So keep doing good. Leave a mark on the lives of others. Leave a mark for now and for eternity. God, bring people to your Son through us. Isn't that our prayer? Do you have a particular person you're praying that for? Are you looking for ways to bless those people in life? Expressing God's love to them in practical ways so that they see him. That's how he works to bring people into his kingdom, is by his people being like him and blessing. Last week we talked about the covenant God made with Noah and all of creation after the flood. Do you remember the promise God made? It's recorded in Genesis 9-11. Hear it again and know that God is going to be faithful to these words for all the time that the earth exists until he comes back. This is Genesis 9-11. It says, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. No matter how wicked folks get, no matter how many of God's commands they refuse to honor, God is not going to use water to wipe out humanity as he did in Noah's day. Judgment will come again. God will come again. But it's not going to be a deluge that brings about the end. It will be a purifying fire, making creation new, removing all that sin has damaged. I'm looking forward to seeing creation renewed, aren't you? to seeing God's very good restored. Our forever home is going to be beautiful beyond what we can imagine. More beautiful than a Kansas sunset or a heron flying over the lake or whatever it is that you see that's beautiful. It's going to be better than that. 
The week before we talked about God's covenant with Noah, we talked about the promise that God made to Adam and to all of us while addressing the deception of the serpent which led to humanity's plunge into sin. You remember the hints of a future hope for humanity that God let us overhear as he was speaking to the serpent? They're found in Genesis 3, 14, and 15. I want you to hear them again as well. Starting in verse 14, Genesis 3, 14, and 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, that is, tempted and deceived Adam and Eve, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Rescue's coming. God is going to send the head crusher. He's going to overcome the enemy. And we know that God has done that. Jesus has crushed Satan's head under his feet and brought salvation to the world. He has broken the curse. Freedom from the curse of sin is available to all who believe. And we can thank God for the freedom from both the guilt and the power of sin. We were born as, as sons and daughters of Adam. We inherited that natural bent to sin. We talked about that a few weeks ago. We were, by nature, objects of God's wrath, but now born again as sons and daughters of God, we're made new. We are now, by faith, made righteous, and we no longer have to fear judgment, those who are believers. Listen to what Paul wrote at the beginning of Romans chapter 8, the first four verses of this chapter. They're bursting with amazingly, breathtakingly, overwhelmingly good news. This is the good news. Even though we have this bent towards sin, even though we tend to do the wrong thing, and we tend to, if we're not saved, if we're not putting our faith in Jesus, to think of evil only all the time, like they did in the days of Noah. Here's the truth, the good news that God has for us. This is Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let that sink in. God is not condemning you. If you hear condemnation, that's not from God. If you put your faith in Jesus, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Jesus met the requirements of the law, fulfilling every bit of it so that we could be set free from the curse and live by the spirit. We are no longer living under the law of sin and death, which came when Adam and Eve ate what was forbidden. It's kind of hard to suppress a woohoo there. Okay, just check and make sure you're hearing the good news. There's more good news to be heard, though. We're halfway through the month and ready for covenant number three. This one, in the same way that we've seen and talked about in the first two, is unconditional. God is going to do what he promises no matter what mankind does. The covenant we're going to examine today is the Abrahamic covenant. I think you can figure out who that one's about. 
We're going to hear God pledge certain things to his friend Abraham, which have implications as far-reaching as those given in the first two covenants we've talked about. Let's start this morning with the first mention of the man Abraham with whom this covenant is made. It's found in Genesis chapter 11, right after the account of the incident of Babel where God confused the languages of the the earth because people weren't doing what he had commanded them to do. Beginning at verse 10, Genesis 11 puts forth the genealogy of this man's family. It starts with Seth, Adam and Eve's third son, and continues down the line until it reaches Abraham's father, Terah. I'm not going to read all of it because I can't pronounce all those names and because the part that we need to review begins at the end of the actual review of the history of this man's heritage. So we're going to start at verse 26 and read through the end of the chapter. What happens in the verses that we're reading sets the scene for the covenant that God's going to make with him. So follow along as I read Genesis 11, 26 through 32, the beginning of Abraham's part of God's story. It's God's story, right? All of the Bible is God's story. We're just looking at him to see what God does in each situation. So starting in verse 26, this is Genesis eleven twenty-six to 32. After Terah had lived 70 years, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot, While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, spelled differently than the guy's name, when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. You probably noticed that there's no Abraham in this group of verses. His name's not there, not in the form that we know it. He's called Abram at this point. His name changed later, and that's going to happen. We're going to see that in just a bit, and it's changed by God himself. You also probably notice that Sarai, Abram's wife, is childless. She's unable to conceive. That's going to make the promise that God makes to Abram all the more incredible. Finally, we saw that Terah, Abram, Sarai, the rest of Terah's household, Lot, pull up their stakes They begin this trek to a new home in Canaan, and they don't make it to their destination. Instead, they stop partway there. They stop in the land of Haran, and that's where Terah dies. With those things lined out, we're ready to hear God's promise to Abram. For that, we're going to have to read the first part of the next chapter, chapter 12. The first eight verses are going to do for now. They contain the story of Abram's first recorded encounter, conversation with God. At the beginning of it, God gives Abram a command, then he makes a promise, and a little bit later in the conversation, God makes a second promise to the man. Two promises. Intriguing. Let's read Genesis 12, 1 to 8, and see what God obligates himself to in regards to this man's family. If you've got your Bibles open, read along with me. There's hope for us in what he says. Verse 1. 
The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So God's done it again. He's given a command to this man that he's choosing and promising blessing to. The man here, Abram, obeys God just as Noah did. He hears God's voice, he packs his bags, pull up the tent stakes, and makes a God-directed trek to Canaan. He makes it to where his father was headed. He listens, he obeys, he worships. Sounds like a good life plan for those who want to please God. One we would do well to follow. So let's talk a bit about the promise or the promises of blessing now. First thing God says is that he's going to make Abram into a great nation. Kind of a big deal when you consider the man doesn't even have any kids yet. And his wife is unable to conceive. Second thing God offers Abram is a great name. Abram is going to be known. Known for what? He's going to be known as a man who listened to and obeyed and worshipped God. Known as a man whose openness to his eternal king's authority brought salvation to the whole earth to all of humanity. After assuring this childless, homeless guy that he'll become a great nation and have a great name, God says that he'll bless those who bless Abram and curse those who curse him. Abram's going to be protected from harm. He will be helped by God and by those whom God prompts to assist him. You can see these things if you were to read his life. You see times when God curses those who attack him and how God helps him through his life. And finally, God gives Abram this promise that encompasses all of humanity. He says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples blessed. We see this part to the promise fulfilled in Jesus's work to bring salvation to sin-bent people from all around the globe. In fact, we know Mexican and Irish and Rwandan and Indian and Bhutanese people who have put their faith in Jesus. These people, brothers and sisters in Christ, whom God has brought into the Friends Church, are among those God saw entering into his kingdom when he promised Abram that he would be a blessing to all peoples. We here in the United States are also a part of that. Because we're from all those nations that are not Abram's family by blood but by faith. Praise God. He is saving through Jesus individuals from every tribe and nation and language. Believers from every corner of the earth are listening to the Spirit and obeying God and worshiping Him. 
God's promise to bless, it's unconditional. I said that earlier, but let me say it again. God's promise to bless, this covenant is unconditional. He is going to bless all peoples, no matter what Abram and his descendants do, and they do some dumb stuff. There's no ifs, no ands, no buts. The blessing's going to be poured out, and through Abram and his descendants, all nations on earth are going to be blessed. You ready for more? There is more. For what's next in the covenant with Abram, we need to flip over a couple pages to Genesis 15. In the first six verses of this chapter, we find God making yet another promise to the man he's already said would become a great nation and be given a great name and be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. Here's what Genesis 15, 1-6 says. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. God promises a son, an heir. Abram's going to be a dad. Good news. Even better news. That promise God made earlier to make Abram into a great nation He's going to fulfill it. He repeats it here. Abram's offspring are going to be so numerous that they're like trying to count stars with your finger. I'm sure they've got a computer way to do it now, but like you'd spend all night and you still wouldn't know. Did I miss that one? Right? Numberless as far as we're concerned. God said all this to Abram, knowing that his wife was barren. There's no way that this could happen unless God did it. No way for this to naturally happen. And yet, Abram believes. He knew that he knew that he knew that God could do whatever God wanted to do, even if having a son made no sense at all. In the same way, we who believe God will save us through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross are given God's righteousness. Paul addresses this issue of imparted righteousness, given, gifted righteousness in Romans chapters 3 and 4. We're not going to read all of those chapters and all he wrote, but only a few verses from chapter 3, which I think give us enough. So listen to what's written in verses 22 through 24. Romans 3, starting in verse 22, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So righteousness is given through faith in Jesus. Those who put their faith in Jesus are justified and made right with God, just as Abraham was when he believed God. One more passage from Genesis, and then we're done for the day. Head over to Genesis chapter 17. You may have to flip a couple pages again. We're going to read about the sign of the covenant God was making with Abraham. And we're going to hear about the man's name change finally. We're going to read verses 1 through 10 this time. Here we go. Verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, 
Okay, 99. How many of you think you're going to have a kid at 99? 75 is unbelievable enough, right? Okay, here we go. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. The renaming of this man is significant. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many. Can you see what God's doing? He's re-promising the blessings that he gave back in chapters 12 and chapter 15. He's reassuring this man his offspring are going to be a great nation and will be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth because he's going to be the father of many. Even kings are going to come from him and nations from him. Agreeing to God's covenant, Abraham has all the males of his household circumcised. You can read that in chapter 17. Just as God required as a sign that he was entering into this covenant with God and was willing to do whatever God commanded. In doing this, he marks himself and his family as God's. He sets himself apart to be that blessing to all peoples that God has promised to make him. And so thousands of years later, here we are the spiritual descendants of this man. We have a righteousness that comes by faith in the one who crushed the serpent's head, the one who came from Abraham's family to be the promised blessing to all. And we're going to see in the coming weeks that there were more promises that prove that Jesus is the one that can do those things. From the very beginning of time, through every century, every millennia, God made covenants, agreements with men of his choosing in order to bring about the freedom from sin that we experience because of Jesus today. Looking at the promises he makes along the way helps us to see his goodness as he works out his plan to bring about that redemption and bring about righteousness that comes by faith. So let's take just a few moments now to listen to God. If he speaks, obey him, then as Abram did, you worship God and you obey him. Respond to God as the Spirit leads you. Let God make his mark on the world through you.
God, you've promised to send one who would crush the serpent's head, and you've done it. You promised not to judge the earth by water, and you've kept that promise. And the rainbow reminds us each time we see it that that's true. Judgment's coming, but it won't come by a flood again. And God, you promised Abram that he would be a blessing to all nations, and you've done that too. We're so grateful that you have fulfilled your promises, and beyond all the promises we've seen, you continually fulfill them, and we know that in the end, you're going to fulfill every single one and bring us into your kingdom, where we'll live forever with you. God, thank you for Jesus who's fulfilled all things and brought us into a new covenant, one that's by faith, and that we have his righteousness because he's done the work to secure our salvation. God, help us to live in that, in the joy of that, and the confidence of that this week. Help us to live in the power of your spirit so that we can say no to sin and yes to righteousness in our everyday life, and the decisions we make, the words we speak, the thoughts we think. God, help us to mature and change us inside out, change our thoughts in the way that we act so that we can be more like you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.